I honestly thought he was going to die because he literally, I'm not kidding you guys when I say he diarrheaed 23 times in one night. It was probably more. We literally left the back door unlocked. But it wasn't even just diarrhea. It was bloody diarrhea. It was straight up just mm, liquid, bloody mucusy liquid. R-O-T-N, let me present to you the Rotten Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello guys, what is freaking up you guys? Welcome back to the Rotten Podcast, episode 13, baby. Welcome back. It's a uh, unlucky or lucky number, depending on how you view it. Do you know why 13 is a bad number or why people are afraid of that number? Like, what I have made this a no thing? idea. I have no idea. You know, like, I understand six because that's like the devil's number and then three is like God's number. But how did 13 become a number that people were scared of? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I have absolutely zero clue. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, I know this is so random, but I am curious. What is your favorite number? 24. That's what I thought. Okay. I, I knew it was like a basketball It's two number. and then it's 24. Well, that's my birthday. Yeah. Two, four. February 4th. It's your two, birthday four. in two days. By the time you guys watch this, Matt has officially turned 31. Ugh. Disgusting. Don't, no. Don't make me afraid to be 31 now. Well, you're going to be turning 30. I that's know. a way bigger birthday. This is the first year for me where it's the start of birthdays that are completely meaningless. It feels <laughs> like no one cares that I'm turning 31. You know, I certainly am like, okay, this is a start to a whole lifetime of birthdays not really mattering until you get to the next birthday for me will be 40 and then 50 is the big one and then after that i don't think there's any reason to celebrate a big birthday oh that makes me so sad wait there is no milestones for you for another 10 years nine years years. i mean i'm turning 30 this year and it's making me feel really old but at the same time i don't want to turn 30 but now that i'm like 29 and like three fourths of the way there, I'm like, I'm actually ready to turn 30. I want to see yeah. what my 30s are going to be like because I think I've grown so much even in this last year, let alone last five years. I feel like I've grown so much. And we kind of talked about this in last week's episode where we talked about how much growth has come around from 
people turning 25 to 30, right? Because we met when you were 26, now you're turning 31, and I, I was 25, now turning 30. We've grown so much. But so how do you feel about it? I was actually going to ask you, how do you feel about ending your 20s? You just have about a little over, well, two months about uh, left of your 20s. I honestly wish I had like a profound thing to tell you. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not looking for anything profound, just more specifically, how do you feel about your I 20s feel? coming to an end? You Actually, just said you were excited about it, which is surprising yeah. to hear. Most people, when they're turning 30, I remember for me, I'm going to interject really quick. Go for it. When I was turning 30, I didn't think anything of it. And then when I actually turned 30, kind of a weird depressing moment. Really? Not like a huge depressing mm -hmm. moment, but it felt sad to me. My 20s are officially over. Uh -huh. And I think as a kid growing up, you're kind of always looking to be 18 and then 21. Yeah. And you have this fantasy of what your 20s are going to look like. And when you <laughs> enter your 20s, at least for me, I set very ambitious goals for myself of where I would be in my 20s. And I just look back at it and uh, it's just sad because I wish that I did so much more. However, I'm very grateful and happy for where I am. Yeah. But I did wish that I was in a way further along spot with music, with my life in general. But it's okay. Things take longer and that's what you kind of realize along the journey. Yeah, I mean... I definitely don't think anyone feels like they're anywhere near where they're supposed to be. I think everyone in general has this idea of what their lives will look like at 20, 25, 30, 35, whatever it be. And I think everyone's journey is so different. But for me, I was really scared to turn 30 because as a content creator and as a YouTuber, it almost feels like these 21 year olds who are becoming famous TikTokers are my competition. And I don't see them as competition because that's not how I view things in my life. But it almost feels like there's this like these new trends that are happening with the younger generation that I have to like make sure I stay involved in because for me in my work, trends is something that's really important. So now that I have to compete with finding trends before like other 21 year olds find them, it's really really weird and actually this makes me realize why I've become more comfortable with getting older in my career because I used to have to compete with those like trending YouTube videos that made me feel really young like 10 lies every girl tells right and it, you just you just feel like so fraudulent doing those types of videos or like making those videos like 24 hours staying awake right like those types of videos that um were very trendy and those are just not the type of videos I love to make anymore and so as I've gotten comfortable over the last few years making um videos that feed my soul real estate videos finance videos things like that I feel like I don't have to compete with the younger generation anymore I don't know what I was getting at other than <laughs> saying that did you learn anything when you turned 30 or do you feel like it was just another <laughs> absolutely year not it was definitely another year but no, that's interesting you said that because I do think it really does depend on what you want to do in life. And obviously yeah. when you are building in public or you're an influencer, a content creator, artist, musician, there there is something to be said about a time limit. Or at least mm -hmm. that that has been the biggest thing for me that I've been dealing with, fighting the feeling of time. Being an artist and a musician is a young man's game. Obviously people have success with music later on in life. But yeah. typically, like what you're saying, the newer generation, younger kids coming out, you're kind of like not competing with them, but you're comparing yourself to them. Yeah. And music does, especially to make it in rap and hip hop. I mean, now I'm seeing more and more artists that are older and there's less of a constraint on age. But that is something that I've thought a lot about. And it does stress me out that I constantly have to take conscious time to reflect and 
be grateful and present of my age and not let it affect me. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you talk about this quite often, so I totally understand that stance. But I also believe in you so much, and I think you're so talented, that there are other outlets and ways for a musician to make it other than being like a a performer that tours 24-7, right? Well, I want to tour, and I want to be a successful artist. Oh, so you do want to tour? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I will be at home with the kids not doing <laughs> that with you. Well, that's the best way to make money. You can build a career in music in other ways 100%, and now with the internet, in the way that social media is, you can definitely make good money off of your music without needing to tour. With touring, it is one of those things where it's taking advantage of the attention that you have because that's the most amount of money you're really going to make is from live shows. Mm. It's selling merch, doing that. So it's almost like you have to capitalize all of your energy. I've spent so much time. And once I start to really blow up, you want to capitalize on that to capitalize your investment and your yeah. time. So I don't want to change the subject. I definitely want to get back on this subject. But for a second, when you said merch, guys, we are coming out with rotten merch. So if you guys are a fan of the podcast, we're coming out with merch, baby. Um, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. So get excited for that. And it's Ayo. also, yeah, just wanted to shout that out really fast because yeah. I've personally never come out with merch before and I'm very, very excited Surprised for it. Surprised you haven't. I mean, because I had my clothing brand live in Jess that I like, it didn't make sense for me to have merch on top of my clothing brand live in Jess. But um, with like uh, artists touring, I just can't imagine how fun that lifestyle is after like the first time you do it. You're saying it doesn't seem fun after you do it? It seems like the first time you do it's really fun. And I would love to join you for the first like oh, tour yeah. you do. But then I feel like after a while when you're like going to like Oklahoma City, you're like, Ooh, what yeah. am I doing here? No hate to Oklahoma City, but like, do I want- Just random places <laughs> yeah. you had no desire to travel to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It's not something I really, I mean, I want to play my music and do live shows. So, of course, that's really exciting. But I am such a homebody. Yeah. I love Theo. I love Zoe, Shark, The House, you. I love being oh, here. You love me? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love being home that every time I travel, I just can't wait to get back home. Like, I, and that's what I really realized mm -hmm. over the past year and even this year. My favorite place is to be home. So when I travel, I just can't wait to get back. So then I started thinking, wait. why do I even want to travel? I'm just We're going to Hawaii in like two I know, weeks. and I'm excited to come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Seriously? <laughs> no, I'm excited to go to Hawaii because I haven't been, but I'm, you know, it's I just. It's so fun. But yeah. I get, I also feel the same exact way where like, I'm, I'm excited to leave. And then the second I'm there and like two days in, I'm like, I'm so excited to just have a routine. Yeah. And if there is someone I know that has and loves a routine, it's you. You and your brother love yeah. your routines. And I think it's very cute. Yeah, I think structure is important. And I think everything comes down to just being grateful and present. Mm -hmm. And so you will be able to find gratitude and presence in doing those things, whether you don't maybe love traveling and being on the road, but to be able to be appreciative of your journey and play your music for people who appreciate it, that is a beautiful experience in its own. Yeah. So you have to sort of soak that in and be grateful for that. So it's oh, hard. Yeah. But I will say, yeah, I think having a routine is so important. I find 
so much fulfillment in having a routine. That is the way that I feel happy and fulfilled as a person. Mm -hmm. And even with vacation, I'm just (laughs) in a place in my life where, of course, I'm really excited to go to Hawaii. But in general, I'm not in a place where I want a vacation. I'm not ready to take a break from work because I don't feel I've earned it. I see that. You know, I'm like grinding so much. And especially this year, I've put such a new focus and intention. And I'm so particular with my time and making sure things get done that it stresses me out thinking about being away from that. I 100% see that because when we were launching our NFT project, I would never have wanted to take a vacation because I would have been too stressed out with everything else was going in our lives. But I do want to say you are more than welcome to work during Hawaii. (laughs) I will probably be working as well. So take the laptop. If we want to do the podcast, we can take the mics there. um, That would be funny if we set up a hawaii podcast oh you know what we're actually staying at the oldest resort in hawaii called the moana surf rider um it is the royal so i don't know if you know anything about hawaii or the history of hawaii there used to be royalty in hawaii like there's a king and a queen and so like the king and queen built this resort and it was like their first resort and they've now turned it into like a hotel chain not a hotel chain but like a hotel where people can stay at um, so that's where we're staying at. That I don't is, know how beautiful the rooms are because it's supposed to be like a very historic hotel. And I was going to book us a very modern resort, but then I was like, that doesn't feel very Hawaiian. And we're going to Honolulu, which is very much like a city vibe. We should have went to Maui for your first time. I just realized, but Honolulu is still very, very fun. And then Waikiki beach is like beautiful. It's going to be fun and beautiful no matter what. Yeah. I'm sure um, anywhere we go, I'm excited. Yeah. I just love nature. I ch- will choose nature we're gonna, over people. We're going to hike and everything. Every There's like, you're going to hike. Yeah. I will hike no for way. your birthday weekend or wow. trip. Um, but also like, it's beautiful. I don't care to hike in fucking Culver city, which is where you want me to hike. No. The Culver city steps. I never asked you to do the steps or you, the stairs. You, I asked you to come on legitimate hikes. Where we get beautiful you views of mountains and water. You definitely me to do the Culver City steps. Yeah, but I definitely come with you to do the Culver City once, steps. Once. Once mm, or twice. Twice. Twice in four and a half years. I mean, you haven't asked me that often. You kind of stop asking when someone's, when you know that what the answer is going to be. Yeah, that's why I've stopped asking you to events with me. Not true. Yes. Still do. Either way... Very excited for your 31st birthday because we get to go to Hawaii. Um, Yes, turning 30 this year. And I'm also drinking so much tea. I'm drinking tea right now. And I know Matt and I don't really talk about our personal lives too often. (gasps) I have tea all over my pants. No. You spilled tea all over yourself. That's the tea. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay, so either way, I spilled a little bit of tea. I'm currently drinking ginger and um, lemon tea. It's so yummy it has probiotics in it but matt and i have started this new routine where we end every single night with tea and dessert and it's been so fun and well we haven't really done the dessert part i mean i have in a few days you have i have you (laughs) have not enjoyed any of the desserts i've wanted to give you except tonight we didn't have any dessert because i knew we were going to film this podcast so we're just doing tea it's a great way to it's a routine nice routine Yeah. yeah see Look that's at why, that. That's why I was bringing it back. You've found fulfillment in routine. Imagine if you structured your life more with routine. You would be shocked how much you would enjoy it. I just enjoy tea. Um. <laughs> I just enjoy tea. 
you know, it's a healthy alternative to boba because I am addicted to boba and I no longer allow myself to DoorDash boba unless I physically drive there. So I've, I think really? I've only gotten- Really? Is that gotten, the new rule? Yes. I've only gotten boba twice DoorDashed in 2023. Granted, it's only February 1st right now. That's pretty good That's for so a whole good. month. Yeah. One time I broke my rule and the second time I gave myself- a incentive i told myself if i cleaned my entire closet like deep cleaned it like washed out the drawers vacuumed it in one hour i could get myself boba and i did there it you go 58 minutes that's a page out of the atomic habits playbook which by the way i finished the book today How and it? um it's amazing the last chapter was just everyone should read Can I it start reading it yeah well, you should. Well, the but reason also, I didn't was because it was on Kindle and I didn't want to fuck up your oh, yeah, audio yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. But <laughs> I will say that um, one of the things that they talk about in that book, in the one of the last chapters, they talk about amateurs versus professionals mm-hmm. and they trying to quantify what do successful people have um, compared to ordinary people that make them so successful with how they build their habits. And it's interesting because one of the things they talk about in the Mm -hmm. book is the difference between professionals and amateurs. Professionals have that feeling where they don't feel motivated, they feel lazy, but they still get themselves to do the work or do whatever they have to do, even if it's they have to drag themselves to do it. Amateurs will, you know, they're not feeling motivated, they're feeling tired, so they'll make excuses and they'll be like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. A professional will still feel that feeling which for me, I guess there's comfort in knowing that, that even the best people in the world don't want to do it. That's what it was showing is that people don't have this instinct. These professionals don't have more of a, yeah, 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 motivation to do it. They just work through those shitty days. And um, it's so fascinating well, to I, hear that because I find comfort in knowing that really there's so much you can have so much success by showing up. But one of the reasons I brought this up, sorry, I kind of went on a random no, tangent totally there, is that a lot of times, and I found this with dieting and and um, eating healthy, it's okay to mess up or break your habit. For example, you ordered boba, da, da, da. Yeah. But the best thing that you can do is don't do it the next day. So there's so much power in it's okay to oh, break your habit, but to have an, a reoccurring bad habit because you're like, well, I ordered it yesterday. I'm just going to get it again. That's just a snowball effect. And so it just goes into how much it's important to show up every single day and at least try to get a tiny bit better. If I gave you some change okay, and I asked you, would that make you wealthy? You'd say, no, it's just some change. But if I kept giving you change, kept giving you change, kept giving you change, you would eventually start to acquire some wealth. It's the same thing with habits. If if you were to ask yourself, is this one small little habit going to change my life? No, but a lot of little habits stacked on top of each other every single day, getting 1% better will have an incredible implication on your life and it will change your life. And you will be able to say my life was changed by small habits. Oh, I love that. And I, I do want to I want to draw a parallel to the fact that there is a difference between amateurs and professionals, right? Professionals, they have to work through those moments of feeling insecure or unmotivated because someone else is relying on them mm-hmm. to show up. Versus as an amateur, it makes sense that you allow these like feelings of not motivate no motivation to kind of dictate how you guide yourself throughout the day because you know, no one's relying on you to do it. Like if if 
But your job that's isn't. not necessarily what it was saying. Take Russ for an example, right? He okay. became a professional through acting like a professional. And he doesn't necessarily, no one's relying on him. He does everything in house, but he's still a professional because he shows up regardless. And it means so much to him to show up, finish a song, get through it, keep moving. Yeah. Like, I think it's the inverse. It's not oh, okay. you become so a saying, professional. Yeah, I It's see not that. you become a professional. Now you have people that you have to show up for. It's... It's actually the opposite. You have people to, that you need to show up for because you're a professional and you built yourself there. Yeah. And that's, you become a professional because this is the mindset you have. Yes. Okay. And that's something that's well, been so- Well, I'm straight up an amateur because I <laughs> allow a lot of my ambitions and motivations to dictate how I work throughout the day because my work really is showing up in front of a camera and it feels really, really fake for me to show up when I'm not feeling well. It almost mm -hmm. feels like disingenuous when I'm trying to be a genuine person like on my YouTube video. So it's a, but yes, I get that. Yeah. You're human and that's okay. You know, it's hard to show up and work. So to say that you're just going to show up and do things like a robot is not mm -hmm. realistic. However, being a professional and you, you, are a professional and you show up when you need to you pull crazy all-nighters stay up till 5 a.m editing it's not an option for you not to do those things that's how you've become to where you're at is by having those habits you know what i'm saying but you wouldn't have got to this place by acting like an amateur and i've had to really sit myself down and, and really marinate on this thought if i want to be a professional artist act like a professional artist. Don't wait until a certain moment and then tell yourself that you're going to act like a professional once it becomes quote unquote professional. I almost feel like people use not acting like a professional as a crutch as to why they are not professionals. Do you know what I mean? They're like, well, I'm not like that big yet. So I don't need to like work that hard at it. Yeah, exactly. And the only way you get big is by acting that you're big. Yes. By having the tendencies and habits of someone big is how you get big. It's not the other way around. And let me just say, <clears throat> you can still make it without having this mentality because a lot of people can't work through it like a professional can where they can work while unmotivated. So we're not saying if you don't have these qualities in yourself, you're not you're never going to be successful. And I actually have the perfect story to tell you. So there is this YouTuber who is afraid of flights. Um, and this YouTuber got a half million dollar makeup brand deal. And the only requirement for her was to do a meetup. They knew she was afraid of flights. So they said, what can we do to make this flight as peaceful, as comfortable for you as possible? And she requested a private jet. So they go, totally fine. We'll book the private jet for you. This is the day and the time of your meetup. We have invited a thousand of your fans. They have bought tickets to go to this meetup. The day the private jet is supposed to fly into Las Vegas, guess what? She calls up her manager and goes, hey, I don't want to go anymore. I don't want to do this. And they canceled the entire event. So not only did she lose out on $500,000, but this brand had to tell a thousand fans who showed up, drove there, flew into town, booked hotels or whatever to meet her because this girl doesn't do a lot of meetups, just lost all their money. And I'm saying that to say that- I was wondering how it ties into what we're saying. Even professionals who people see are professionals are not that professional. Yes. And it's hard to feel motivated. And she's human. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I would, I would imagine that she has strong habits to become at the place where she's at to even have a deal like that on the table. I mean, no, there are a lot of people that are famous and 
wealthy and they're they don't have that mindset of feeling motivated or showing up because well then how would they ever get anything who do you think had success but like doesn't work for it i mean i think there are plenty of people that are successful but don't have that mindset of being able to work when they're not motivated and i I know a lot of youtubers who like don't put in their sponsorships on time sometimes i i turn it in a day late because i don't feel motivated enough to like finish it on time yeah i think that Social media is an interesting exception because you can put out a video and build an audience and people love you and you maybe don't have to have a structured professional lifestyle. But I'm saying in general, most of the people that are successful in YouTube on the Internet treat it professionally. They're consistent. They follow through. Yeah. You know, maybe they're not always doing that. But to, to get to where a place of success have had to show up. Um, I'm sure when they didn't want to. That's just like anything in life. I mean, I, I only brought this up because we we're talking about tea. I think we changed the subject because I was talking about my tea. I did want to say I'm glad we started this routine with one another because it really has allowed us to spend more quality time together. Because I think that is something we had struggled with a little bit was that we weren't spending good quality time together. Um, We would either just like end the night by watching tv scrolling through our phones but now that we have like we end every night with tea and dessert we definitely still scroll on our phones but it almost feels like we're doing something together yeah i love it i think i like it a little more than you do not true i would say you scroll on your phone more than i do when it's during tea time i'm actually like <laughs> drinking the tea and you'll like be sitting laying there. down sorry i'm on my f- i'm staring at a screen on my phone you're staring at the screen in front of your face the tv They're both screens, but yeah, I get it. So overall, the last chapter of Atomic Habits is very, very powerful, and I would definitely recommend people check it out if they're interested. And my goal is to read a book every month, and um, first one knocked it out. It's funny that you say you're reading. I know. We t- yeah, listening. I'm listening. That I feel like such a phony. Well, the next cheating. book that I'm reading, the it's next book that I'm reading, okay, I actually it. ordered on Amazon. So it's a physical book. It's a physical book. Oh, yeah. I need to feel that <laughs> physicality. Um, I don't know the actual name of it, but it's Rick Rubin's new book that he just dropped. And um, I don't know who Rick Rubin is. That's crazy. He is one of the most prolific music producers of our time. Well, yeah, how, am I, how do you expect me to know who Rick Rubin is? But the thing about what makes Rick Rubin so special is he's this man who is just is like a monk. He's so insightful and meditative and calm. And he's so interesting because there hasn't really been a music producer ever that has had the amount of success he's had in such wide varieties of music. A lot of people probably don't know his name. A lot of people actually do know his name. But what makes him so prolific and interesting is, again, Adele, Slayer, Metallica, Kanye West, Jay-Z, Jeez. Beastie Boys, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> it goes so wide. In some of the best songs of our time and our generation, he has had a hand in making. So everyone's like trying to get this information from him. How do you pull And what's so fascinating in his role is really pulling the best out of these people which is such a crazy thing because in order to sit there and dig deep with someone and really bring everything out of them, that takes a very, very specific person. They must know something that most people don't know. Um, in other news, we have had a lot of issues with Theo. He is the sweetest boy, but has had the most freaking problems. And if you guys don't know this, Matt and I have a boxer named Theo. He is 
five and a half months old now and um, was supposed to go to boarding. But now we have to cancel boarding for him because he has been shitting a storm lately. It's been a little sick boy, yeah. I honestly thought he was going to die because he literally, I'm not kidding you guys when I say he diarrheaed 23 times in one night. It was probably more. We literally left the back door unlocked. But it wasn't even just diarrhea. It was bloody diarrhea. It was straight up blood, mucusy. Sorry if you're eating, just mm, liquid, bloody mucusy liquid. I mean, We've this is something I've yeah. been dealing with a lot with the vets, bringing him in. I mean, it's been challenging when we got him, had diarrhea a little bit, didn't think anything of it. I mean, it's pretty normal for puppies to have a lot of diarrhea. Um, but then when I finally brought him to the vet. I don't think it is because Zoe didn't have a lot of diarrhea. It was very rare for her to have diarrhea. So I remember when. But I feel like your the, study your vet- group is just zoe but when i talk to other people about puppies and dogs you know people are like oh don't like yeah every like yeah they have diarrhea here and there but like theo the first day we got him had diarrhea for like two weeks yeah and would have moments of maybe one week where he'd have solid poops and then go back to yeah um, diarrhea and this is something we've been dealing with for two and a half months now if not three it feels like yeah he's very sensitive and i've been trying to yeah, get to the months. root of the problem and i'm really happy that i just switched over to a new vet mm-hmm. um, oh my god modern animals amazing. amazing yeah shout out to lauren i'm glad that i called her so theo was just when we brought him to the park and watched him run around for the first time which was honestly one of the most beautiful moments for me i was so excited to bring him and zoe mm-hmm. and you to the park <laughs> and hang out and just run around and it was so much fun i feel like i've been waiting so much to get him to a place where he can go out and run around around other dogs um and so i was so excited to just let him run right when we got there he, st- he kind of had a little diarrhea and i'm like oh no and then when we got home i fed him dinner everything was fine put him in his crate and then he kept crying every 35 minutes to go out he needed to go to the bathroom and it got to a point where i couldn't even sleep so you took over yeah and then it kept happening where sadly we just left his crate open and left the back door open and he would literally just take himself out go back in take himself out go back in and he's so well potty trained yes this is now which has been like, this is the moment that yeah. made me realize he is so well potty trained. I mean, I was so proud of him. I felt like, oh, wow, like he's grown up. He's grown yeah, up. Yeah, it was so sad. And then Saturday when I woke up, he was still having bloody diarrhea. I and it always was actually had worse. an issue with that vet that we were initially taking him to because it felt like she wasn't doing enough. She definitely, I mean, it's tough to say. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, but now I was I wanted to get him. It it was tough because when we were taking him there, I kind of had to finish the cycle of getting his vaccines and going through the process. And you don't know what's going on with them. So it does take a lot of elimination to figure out what's going on, especially with something like diarrhea can be so many factors. But I'm glad that we're getting another opinion and doing modern animal, which is such a better system. Yeah, I wish he could still go to um, boarding school, though, because I definitely think he needs it. Um, Yeah. But now it's just Zoe and now we have to find a babysitter for him for Hawaii. But that's okay. He's such an easy boy to handle that. Especially alone. He's so easy. Uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of excited to have him by himself for a couple of days or a f- couple of weeks, actually. He's so, yeah. Both of them are very easy alone. Yes. But the combination of them together, it's <laughs> they have different tendencies, patterns, and then they're just kind of like fighting and Theo annoys Zoe and Zoe wants nothing to do with him. Sometimes um, she does, but, but for the most part, she likes to be, like, be chill and play with her toys by herself and he will always gravitate towards whatever toys she has and we'll give them the exact same toys because we're good parents and he will still try to steal the one Zoe has even though he has the exact same one in front of his face and so 
Zoe gets very territorial of her toys. <laughs> she loves her toys. Um, she's a silly, silly girl. But I'm excited for training for her for boarding. Um, we have all of our friends doing boarding like together. I think I, I kind of got them on yes, the train. If you guys don't know, um, Diggy is currently going through boarding right now. And then Moose is going through it with Zoe. He was supposed to do it with um, Theo as well. And then next month in is it March or April, April, Remy is doing it. And her brother is doing it with all four of their dogs. So all seven of our dogs are going to be hopefully so, so well-behaved dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it comes down to what owners do. I know. So it's, it's more like really training us than the freaking yeah. dog. He's going to bring them in, get them in shape, and then we're going to have to carry the rest of it, which I'm excited about. Yes. Oh, I'm, I forgot to tell you, Um, I will be going home to Sacramento the 25th through 28th. So hopefully a training session doesn't when? happen. When? In? In February. Oh, um, I have to take. So I've been borrowing my sister's Tesla for the month last two months. And I was supposed to have my uncle come up into town and take it back. But it ends up my sister needs the car before he does that. So oh, wow. I have to do it now. I love how you tell me this on the podcast. It's hilarious. Well, I just found out last night. So there wasn't much time to tell you. I'm still telling you and talking to you about <laughs> I it. I know. It's just funny. <laughs> very typical of you. I know. You told me I was very icy. And this is an example of me just not overly sharing. And. That reminds great segue, guys. I'm a giver in conversations. I actually read this incredible article and we'll link it down below because I think this is an article that all of us should read, but it actually made me hyper aware of why I feel like I'm not a great conversationalist when it comes to some people or why it feels like I don't share as much than other people do. And that is because in a conversation, I realized I am a giver and there are two roles you're either a giver or a taker in a conversation. Neither role is bad. There are pros and cons to both sides of being a giver or a taker. But a giver believes that conversations happen naturally when people are genuinely asking each other questions versus takers believe a conversation naturally progresses by declaring statements. An example of that, because that's probably not as easy to understand. No questions are asked. It's like, I just watched Avatar. I love that movie so much. And the next person would be like, I love Avatar as well, but Avatar 2 sucked, right? And then that conversation will keep going by building on top of each other versus- um, Asking questions like, what did you like about Avatar? what do you think of this scene? Exactly. what do exactly. you think of the movie rather than inserting your opinion and thought like, about it? It would be like, what do you it? think about Avatar? I'd be like, I really liked it. What did you think about it? Right. That's how a giver would have a conversation versus a taker would just never ask questions to one another. They just believe that the other person would willingly give up information. Um, and so I realized, and this is a perfect example, you know, you never asked me like, oh, how did last night go? Like, how are your sisters doing? When are you taking home the Tesla? Right. Um, I just never openly like shared what I was planning on doing with it. And so then I'm trying to work on becoming more of a taker in a conversation well do you know how many questions i asked you about how your night was last night your no, you dinner didn't. what you talked about i kept making you yes, answer yes, questions yes. Oh, I went and to you kept dinner. trying to do something else so i was actually inserting i was asking you a lot of questions last night in the middle of me trying to figure out um it wasn't the most the best time. No, you started doing those things in the middle of our conversation <laughs> so either way you started to do that at the wrong time well, I only had an hour to get Zoe some life insurance or pet insurance because I don't have pet insurance for her. And I was trying to get it before midnight because I was going to take her to the vet tomorrow. But then I realized it doesn't even matter because there's a waiting period of two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> it didn't even matter. But I was like 
trying to like figure out pet insurance for her because yeah i don't have pet insurance for her but now she does she officially has pet insurance again in two weeks it'll be active yes in two weeks it'll cover accidents though but not like any illnesses or vet appointments or anything like that so either way i um i think a really great exercise to do right now is if none of us ask questions and just are takers in this conversation i think you'll have a lot of fun doing it starting now as a person, when you shared this article with me, I realized that I can mold to both sides. So it's not a problem or difficult. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think you're way better at being a conversationalist if someone cannot be the taker in a conversation or cannot be the giver in the conversation. Your turn. Well, well I'm just trying to think about what you're saying because do you really think that it's no, that? No, no giving, oh. no giving. I don't think that (laughs) I believe that I'm maybe a good conversationalist and like to talk to people is that I can pick up on how maybe how they're feeling and how the flow of the conversation is going, whether it be someone's overly sharing and I just keep the conversation going by leaning into it, asking questions, or if I can tell someone's maybe not as forthcoming with information, but does want to speak I'm aware of that. And so I'll ask questions. Here are some of the pros and cons of being a giver versus a taker. So the pros of being a giver is that, you know, they they enjoy listening. They can take a back seat in the conversation and they can allow the taker to shine. But givers, when they talk to takers, can sometimes feel empty inside because the taker never asks them questions. So it almost feels like the taker doesn't want to know what a giver has to offer or has no interest in their lives. So givers enjoy talking to givers, takers enjoys enjoy talking to takers. Now there are people in the middle like you who can mold to both sides, but what normally typically what happens when a giver and a taker talks, normally the giver feels empty leaving the conversation and the taker also feels empty because the taker either feels like a giver is a very boring person and they're like, why do they keep asking me questions instead of just talking and telling me? And then a giver leaves empty because they're like, why is this taker never asking, taking the time to ask me anything about myself? Why, why am I the only one curious about their lives or what they're up to? I've found myself in this situation many times for Mm -hmm. sure. And I think too, it depends on the relationship you have with the person and the circumstance. For example, I just got a tattoo done and I was asking the tattoo artist a bunch of questions because I wanted to get to know her more. I wanted to make the environment more, more comfortable. Same thing with my barber. He, he just, he just (laughs) talks. So I'll just keep asking him questions to keep it going because I can tell that that's the path of least resistance to have a conversation. And so usually I make that decision consciously because I'm just, if it's flowing and someone wants to keep sharing, then. But don't you feel empty sometimes when, especially with your barber, if he's the one always talking and never asking you about yourself? Yeah, it's really difficult to pinpoint because there are times where I actually prefer it. So I don't have to speak about myself. Yes, I find myself. And I can just easily insert a question and just let it flow. And clearly he's trying to get some stuff off. And I'm curious about it for sure, but I'll just let him have it. And then there's times where maybe I'm not even going to have a conversation at all. Mm -hmm. And then someone's constantly talking to you. That's a different thing. So I think that there is a motive behind the conversation. So, for example, if someone is a taker here, this is what I realized because I read this article a few days ago and I've been testing this out, thinking about it with these conversations I've been having with my tattoo artist, my barber, my brother. And what I realized is it's only draining if a taker is taking when it's unwarranted, meaning 
they are just having a conversation and they're not reading the room if it's a conversation to be had. So I think that that is something that's interesting where a taker will naturally not know how to ask questions. They'll just do it because that's their way of getting to know you. So by talking and sharing their experiences, their thought process is, I want you to know more about me because that's how we can form a stronger connection. And I want you to share more about you. That's how we communicate. I'm sure they get annoyed of each other. Like a taker talking to a giver gets annoyed at the giver because they keep having to answer these questions. It's like, why are you talking about my job? I don't want to talk about my job. Why do you keep asking about it? Like, tell me about yourself, right? Versus a giver is like, why do I have to keep asking you questions? Why are you not talking about me? Why aren't you asking me anything? And that's, that's where I lie. I'm definitely more heavily giver. And that's because I genuinely enjoy asking people questions as well. And I sometimes can find myself asking very intimate questions because sometimes I like to go really, really deep, which I can see why I take her. It's like, she keeps asking me these really deep questions. Can she shut the hell up? And I see that. I see that side. So for me, I've been trying to make it a huge point ever since reading this article three days ago. I was like, I should definitely try to be a taker more often where I just willingly give up information without being prompted to give up information because I can see why takers can find givers pretty boring. And I will say, I take a I take a backseat in a lot of conversations because I just ask the questions, but it's pretty boring. Normally, I think what the article was saying is if you're a giver, you want to ask people questions, but you also want them to ask you questions. That's the that's the punchline is that you ask mm-hmm. questions to get to know someone, you want them to ask you questions so that you can share yeah. stuff about yourself. Whereas a taker would just share about themselves and would want the other person to share share about about themselves themselves without having to be asked. However, you want to ask about other people, but you don't want people asking about you, nor do you want to talk and and make statements about yourself. So that's what I think is interesting is uh, you're not, you're not a giver wanting to, to um, share. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely think I do like to share. I just don't like it to be like a 10 minute conversation about myself. Like I want to be a giver while someone's being a giver. Does that make sense? Like while someone's Mm -hmm. asking me questions, I also want to ask them questions. But if they keep asking me just questions and don't allow me to ask them questions, I start feeling uncomfortable because that's not how I naturally speak, right? I naturally speak by asking questions. So when someone doesn't allow me to ask them questions and keeps throwing back the conversation to me, I can see why being a taker is, can be very, draining to another giver mm-hmm. so i under, i understand i understand i'm very weird to talk to because i genuinely enjoy asking questions and i do enjoy sharing about myself as well if i'm not prompted. really yeah i don't know where you lie in this because i almost feel like there are instances where i see you're definitely a taker and then there are instances where you feel hurt when someone doesn't isn't a giver does that make sense i think it again it all comes down to intention if someone is just blabbing about themselves, but they're not leaving room for me to talk, they're just taking because they're they're taking in a selfish way. Yeah. You know, I think that there is a huge difference between someone's communication style being a taker and wanting to know about you, but expecting you to be the one to give the information. But where I get upset or drained or annoyed is when someone is just talking about themselves and doesn't have any interest in me talking whether I ask a question or whether I'm taking as well okay so that is the distinction it's not I don't care if someone's style of speaking is to take and just talk but they also want me to talk and they're expecting me to talk some people will just talk about themselves and not give you any room to speak 
Those are people I don't like speaking with. I mean, at the same time, they can also like are just waiting for you to take on top of them taking because maybe they are interrupters and they don't care mm-hmm. if other people interrupt them. You, I, I feel you can gauge when someone just doesn't care <laughs> what you have going on in your life. Yeah. And that's where I have a problem. It's you start to share and then they, gl- they gloss over it and they talk more about themselves. They're just looking to talk about themselves. That That's not necessarily just their communication style. Yeah. They just genuinely are maybe a little too focused on themselves yeah. in that moment or whatever. Well, that's why the article I'm reading is saying that givers and takers can have more natural conversations or even takers and takers and givers and givers are people who just like to talk about themselves. A more natural way to conversate and have better, more intimate conversations is giving doorknobs. And doorknobs would be like, I hated Avatar. And if you like it, you can fight me on it. Like things like that. And so it starts, it's like a passionate start of a conversation. What is a doorknob? Okay, sorry. I, I reread the article a little bit just to like familiar my familiarize myself with what a doorknob is. And it's like for a giver, a doorknob is not like asking a question like, how many, how many grandparents of yours are alive? You're like one or two. And then that doesn't really make a conversation flow right. But if it was like, why do you think you and your brother turned out so different, even though you guys grew up in the same family? Those are like conversation starters. So I guess doorknobs are things where you can have a natural conversation and it makes the other person willing to share and want to have a passionate rapport, like having a, a quick conversation where you don't feel like you have to think about the next thing you need to say. So that is one um, for takers. It would be like saying something like, I think it's really weird when pets lick the their parents' faces or when pets lick their owners' faces, right? And like someone can have a debate about that. So that's like a way a taker can have a doorknob. Um, and so what a doorknob is are these affordances where it makes the other person want to conversate in a natural conversation. And apparently the best conversationalist, and there's a study, the best conversationalist can make a conversation happen in milliseconds where there are no pauses to think about the next thing you say. You want the next person to say something so fast after you said something because whatever you just said sparks their interest. It doesn't even make them have to think about the next thing they have to say. And that's what doorknobs are, are like either big ideas and statements that can make the other person think something or just genuine questions that allow like longer responses than yes, no, maybe one, two, three, A, B, C. What's like, what's your favorite color would be? It's red. Yeah. And some, some people can take what's your favorite color and turn it into it's red because it reminds me of romance and love, like whatever. Like some people can do that, but for the most part, people can't make a conversation happen by getting asked what's your favorite color, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love that you found so much value in it. I, I didn't I really did. find, value. for me, it's like talking about, it's like, For me, like reading the article and even listening to this analysis about conversation feels like reading about how we breathe. Well, do you think you're such a great conversationalist? Is this why? No, it's not in like a conceited way, but I just don't overthink it. No, it's But also I think it helps you understand why you feel so empty when you're around people that aren't giving to you. I don't feel like I have a hard time sharing or opening or molding to people's like way of language where it like drains me or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I feel drained unless someone's trying to have small talk with me. I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. I will die on that fucking hill. I don't care if you just met me. Don't fucking give me small talk. Literally tell me your life story. 
I'd be like, yeah. Tell me your life story Tell or me give me some doorknobs. Yeah, give me some fucking doorknobs. Yeah, if you're going to ask me questions, like, can the questions be captivating? <laughs> you know? <gasps> yeah. That would start a good conversation. That's how you break out of small talk. There's the value from the article. I guess for me, I love finding ways to understand people better. Mm. And this made me understand people better, including myself and you. Yeah. I guess my question to you with this is how can people apply this for themselves? Is the value just understanding? Yeah, I think the value is completely just understanding what role you enjoy doing in a conversation and how you can actually move towards understanding the other side of it. And also understanding better questions to ask people and better information or declarations to give people to continue a conversation. Because I do think people struggle with conversating, especially with new people and especially in like workplace settings. Or, I mean, when I was in a sorority, we would do rush every single year. Right. And we would talk to a hundred girls in less than six days. Jesus. If not even more than that, like it was like 400 girls would go through rush every freaking year. And so you, you literally had to meet with every single person that went through rush. And so you would have all these like small talk conversations. And a lot of it just felt like pulling teeth with girls, just having them to like talk back to you. And that's not their fault. It could be, you're not asking good enough questions or they might just feel uncomfortable when you're just asking them so many questions and they need you to just like share information for them to want to share. And it, it, Interesting. it also helps if someone's like vulnerable and you're vulnerable, right? Should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so we are doing our Rotten Roundup, and today we're not doing a Am I a Rotten Egg? We actually got more information about our Am I the Rotten Egg from last week, the Vegas one. That was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Wow. Yes. A follow-up. So we got a follow-up Am I Rotten Egg and a Rotten Confession, which I think is hilarious. It's like not that bad, but it's so funny. Um, But I thought I would just read, you know, uh, the follow-up just in case, because I know to both Matt and I, we had a lot of questions about this one and wanted to know more information. Okay, so let me just read this out loud. I know it's pretty long read. Um, Hi, so I was the girl who submitted the question last week, i.e. the whole Vegas water cup incident. By the way, I didn't wind up to throw the cup at him, LOL. Good to know. Good to know. Thank (laughs) God, because we were like, I hope you didn't do that because that's bad. And I wanted to say thank you for your honest feedback. It's really helped me with my healing journey as I recover from this toxic relationship. I also forgot to mention, this is big, he drunkenly swung at me in the Vegas hotel room. Whoa. Yeah, which he will deny, (laughs) LOL. Um, He also got a security escort out of the Vegas hotel and he's barred from that hotel now. So completely rotten egg. Well, we already knew he was breaking shit in the room anyways, but yeah, that's bad. That's next level bad. I'm so happy we are getting a follow-up. By the way, if we end up using anyone's rotten eggs, please give us follow-ups because I want to know more to the story because we always have more questions i know what i did in vegas was wrong and i apologized to my ex about it afterwards funnily enough one of the reasons why he unblocked me for this talk was because i had these concert tickets that he wanted i'm also ashamed to admit that we hooked up once oh no once after her breakup and had a final conversation after this where he obviously wanted to continue the arrangement but i took my dignity back and broke up with him and told him that i didn't even want to have him as a friend anymore therapy has really helped me during this tumultuous time period and so has hearing your unbiased perspective so thank you that's amazing amazing? i love to hear that it's helped because i didn't know you know it's fun to talk about it but at least (laughs) there's a positive uh 
implication for having these discussions Honestly, you know i almost thought she wouldn't want to watch our podcast anymore after we that's how i was feeling like i, like, I wonder oh, what no. it feels like when we talk about it yes if people are upset you know maybe it turns them off to want to but i'm glad that she leaned into it you know yeah. i think when you share and you get other people's opinions there's something you know cathartic about that it's also really nice to get someone's opinion that is so unbiased because they don't know you. They don't know your friends. They don't know your family. Like I find it. I don't even know what she looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which uh, I think is healthy because you're so not healthy. forming any biases. You Maybe you're like, oh, she looks a little crazy. You know, what, <laughs> whatever it may be. You know, this oh. is just reading. Like she would look like someone that wound up. Yeah. Or she looks innocent. There's no way she could yeah. have done it. Yeah. You know, like obviously it was his fault. So it's good to just have an unbiased opinion on someone's situation. It's fun. Yes. This is so fun. I'm really, get really to be happy. Therapists. Um, also, I like so personally for me, like I find it easier to be vulnerable with like someone that's a complete stranger than someone that like might know you or the other person in the story. Right. So I can totally see why she leaned in. But I was really afraid she was going to lean out. Okay. And we have a funny, rotten confession. You ready for this confession? I am. Okay. Confession. I, I can't even, I'm, I'm sorry, this is so Want sweet. me to read it? <laughs> well, no, because I want, I want to see your, your face because I already read it. Confession. I'm a 22-year-old female, and I occasionally pick my own boogers and eat them in secret. It's a habit I've never stopped from childhood, and I just kind of like the taste of it and also find it convenient that I don't have to use tissues to get rid of boogers. The end. Nothing else. No, nothing That's else to it. elaborate. <laughs> I think it's a great confession. It's, it's so, so innocent. funny. I've definitely done that. <laughs> I will. I will uh, own up to that. As an adult. As an adult, I don't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's no way. Yeah. When's the last age you've done this? I don't know. I did this when I was like maybe seven or eight. I do remember be sitting in the car once when I was really young and doing this. And it was like, oh, this is kind of salty. Like, it's kind of yeah. nice. But not not as an adult. Other than like when my nose is really running, when I, I can taste it. Yeah. But, huh. Huh. So what, when was the last time you did this? I don't remember the last time. I'm just A saying it's, uh, I don't know. While dating me. I don't know. I'm not yes, going to give you, you any do. more details. Yes, you do. I'm not giving you any more details. Matt likes to pick his boogies. Nah. Well, I do like to pick my boogers, but I don't like to eat them. I used to never pick my boogers unless I was in the bathroom sitting on my you toilet. You told me that. I found that so fascinating. And now, ever since meeting you, I swear I just pick my boogers like all the time. Not in oh, public, God. but like, like I'll be like in the living room watching TV by my... I, I won't do it in front of you. It's like very rare I'll do it in front of you. But I'll just like casually do it on like the couch now when I used to never do that. That's Only because so you're funny. so comfortable that I guess I've gotten comfortable doing it. But like, I'm so comfortable doing. Oh, your yeah, movies. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really think twice about I mean, not out in public. Am I picking my nose in front of people? But yeah. I'm not uh, waiting till I go to the bathroom to I pick my nose. I think you do it once in public. You know, if you got to pick a booger, you got to <laughs> pick a booger. Like, no shame. If I saw someone picking their nose, I'd be like, got to get it out somehow. I even feel you weird know? picking my boogers while I'm driving. No one's in the car, but I'm like terrified if someone next to me sees me picking my boogers. So I don't even do it in the car. That's so funny. Unless there's like no cars around me. That's hilarious. Is it, see, like some people feel really strongly against picking boogers. And then there are people like you who are like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, well. There's things that I care about people seeing, but a lot of things I just don't care. What do you find weird? Like, is picking your ears weird? Like, what would be weird no. to you that someone did? Farted? If someone was picking their ass in front of me, mm -hmm. I'd be like, you can do that somewhere else. It's a weird <laughs> visual. Also, because it's like, 
the the what about flossing your teeth in public? The hell yeah, it would inspire me to want to floss. I'd be like, they're cleaning themselves, like using toothpicks and stuff. Yeah. I know some people are weird I about that. I, okay, but it's how you do things, right? Yeah. Like if you if if you have a scratch in your ass, there's a way to scratch your ass. If you're honking and grabbing that <laughs> underwear and really digging your hand under there, it's a it's a weird visual. It's the same thing with picking your mouth. If you have a toothpick and you're digging food out and twirling it and looking at it and then like eating eh. it or doing something nasty yeah don't do that shit around me but if you're just picking and cleaning like whatever do you i'm not judging yeah i'm not judging i i would say you're a very open judge-free person in a way on certain things on like stuff like that yeah yeah <laughs> on stuff like that like if someone <laughs> farted i'd be like sweet let me do it next yeah yeah right you're like i farted you'll tell me you'll be like oh my god i like farted right on zoe or something <laughs> i did do that i did that it was on like purpose. recently she was laying on my butt and i kid you not this girl farts left and right all the freaking time and i smell oh, man. it yeah. oh man she has bad farts man. she likes her head towards the crotch like her mom yes yes yeah I don't know what the joke was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Wrapping up. Either way, I she was laying on my butt. Like her face was in my butt on my butt. And I was like, I need a fart, but I'm just gonna do it in front of her and see if she even notices. And she noticed. She went <laughs> And then so like right funny. back down. But like I was like, that is payback. Really fast. You should show off your new tattoo. Matt got a new tattoo. Well, I'll show it when it's like because it's there's a lot of ink and stuff on it oh it still looks it's so still cool. i was yeah, i was wondering why out. it looks so dark but that makes a lot of oh sense. yeah the ink is coming out it's probably gonna bleed a little bit that's just coming from the skin yeah. and from it from its healing so i gotta leave this on for three, three days, days and then i take it off and wash it and then all that ink will come off and you'll be able to see it that's first big boy tattoo yes first sleeves of many. coming out what tomorrow you're getting consultation or something Yep, I'm going to Orange County to meet with an artist. I've been trying to get a session and get a piece done for seven months now. Dang. Yeah, he doesn't have any appointments until July if he takes it on. So I gotta like pitch him my idea and see what the see if he's down. You you don't think he would be? I mean, it depends. Mm. You know. Yeah. Which is why I want to go to him because he's like he's an artist, so his style it's like a piece, and he's at a stage where he can kind of pick and choose projects. Based on if it's something he even wants I to do. I think he needs to charge more money because he has a waitlist till June. And I'm like, okay, you need to not have waitlist till June. You should just charge for more for your time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that sums it up for today. Yeah. You want to close out today's episode? Thank you guys for listening, viewing, subscribing, tuning in to the Rotten Podcast. If you are not subscribed already, hit that button. Yes. Follow us along this journey. Comment down below what your thoughts are on boogers. Yes. No, comment down below. What should we have, people? No, no, no. Yeah. Do you pick your boogers in public? But also, Com are you a giver or taker? Comment down below what your thoughts are on picking your boogers <laughs> in public, around the house. And also, are you a giver or a taker as a conversationalist? Yeah. We want to know. We want to hear from you. Curious on people's feedback about the article. Mm -hmm. We're going to link it. So read that. And Thumbs give us up. your rotten confessions Absolutely. down below in the Google form or your... Am I the rotten egg segments? Good stuff. Well, we'll see you guys next All week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.